My name is Katherine Pruitt, and I am a graduate student here at Marion University in the BMS program. Today, for our patient podcast project, I will be interviewing my mom, Betsy, about her condition with the Factor V Leiden mutation. Hi, I'm Betsy. I'm Katherine's mom, and I was diagnosed with Factor V about six years ago. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your diagnosis? I know yours is unique in the fact that it was discovered recently and really shed a light on health problems in your whole family. So unfortunately, I lost an uncle at age 64 and an aunt at age 60. And because of that, the doctors tried to look for a common link that might have caused this to happen among siblings. My dad's family had a history of early deaths, but even back when they weren't, they didn't really keep track of how they died or they weren't really certain. Um, he had lots of family members who passed away unexpectedly and some as early as in their 40s and 50s. But when my aunt passed away, we started putting some dots together that eventually led to um, our family being tested for factor five. And that's how the diagnose came to light. Wow, so what kind of tests were involved in the process to diagnosis? So luckily it was a really easy blood test um, we simply, you know, once the doctor had, had the team of doctors, you know, who had um, worked with my aunt who lived in Florida and my uncle lived in Colorado and my dad and two other siblings were based here in Indiana, um, but they started to triangulate some data and made some discoveries that led them to believe that factor five might have been at play in um, both of their diagnosis. So my uncle had a DVT that eventually went to his brain and that's how he died. My aunt had a DVT that went to her lungs and that's how she died. So as they started to put the pieces together, that's how they came up with the diagnosis because my, my living uncle um, was having a lot of issues with blockage in his arteries and that is that's where it kind of all came together was from talking to his cardiologist and then getting some information from the doctors from his siblings who had just passed away and it was just a simple blood test because factor five is just an inherited disease yes all i had to do was request it from my doctor who um who was definitely on board because, you know, it's really important to find out when you have these genetic factors because it can help your health overall. So the doctor was, you know, got me tested right away and was honestly pretty surprised when I came up um, as having the factor five Leiden mutation. Why was the doctor so surprised? He was surprised because at the time um, I had, and still have, thankfully. I have four children and um, people who have the factor five Leiden mutation typically have a very difficult time with pregnancy and with staying pregnant. And I 
was able to go through all of my pregnancies and give birth to full-term, almost full-term babies, um, which they, they described later was practically a miracle um, that lots of people who have the factor five diagnosis um, have lots of miscarriages and lots and lots of problems with their pregnancies. So the fact that I did not was really tremendous. I remember going to the OBGYN and she asked me if I had the factor five mutation like my mom and I had no clue what she was talking about. So we just ran a simple blood test for myself and my little sister. And luckily I don't have the factor five mutation, but my little sister does. And as my mom mentioned, factor five is very important and different factors for women, especially um, using oral contraceptives and pregnancy and menopause and hormone therapies. It affects other things as well. Um, some things that you wouldn't really expect, like luckily I travel a lot, but now since I've had this diagnosis, when I'm traveling, I have to get up and walk around at least every probably hour and a half to two hours to make sure that I don't develop deep vein clots in my legs, which is something, you know, you wouldn't expect in a normal person just going on a plane ride or, you know, taking a car trip a few hours away. But I have to be really careful that, you know, my body doesn't have some odd reaction and I develop clots. I know you said this is a problem that runs in your dad's family. So what was his initial response to this diagnosis and how has he continued to respond to that? So obviously losing two siblings um, with a condition that's related like this is a huge wake up call. So he takes really exquisitely good care of his health. He tries to make sure to exercise every day and you know stay very active. He also um, gets his carotid arteries, ultra, he gets an ultrasound test of his carotid arteries um, on a regular basis to ensure that they are not blocking that there's not some active clotting issue going on that you know that you would never be aware of. I vividly remember being at my grandparents' house just a few years ago and hearing my grandpa tell us about his recent doctor's appointments, you know, I had my checkup today and the blood work shows that my cholesterol levels are down to this and X, Y, Z are now within the normal ranges. And he would tell us about his new exercise bike and I know he still to this day actively works at being healthier in his diet and exercise routines. And he also gets a routine ultrasound of his carotid arteries ever since his brother Steve underwent heart surgery. So he had a double bypass heart surgery, but, and they cleaned out his carotids, but they, um, I think they strip the carotid arteries, try to get rid of all the plaque and all the buildup, which is there, which just is excessive because of the clotting factor. But right now, um, my uncle Steve, my dad's brother, has 98% blockage in both of his carotid arteries. And there's, there's nothing they can do medically 
So he just he goes at least once or twice a year to get them yes. re-cleaned out. Yes. And, they, and it's still 95 to 98% blocked yes. in both of them. Yes. And so my dad has really changed his entire diet and changed, you know, his activity level and is very cognizant of how this affects him and how, you know, he is 73. So right now he's beating the odds, really. Compared um, to both of his siblings, yeah. yeah. Compared to his siblings, so it's it's very real, very scary. How does this diagnosis impact your life today? And are there any like additional obstacles that you encounter? I know you mentioned with um, traveling and having to get up and move your legs around more often, but is there anything else? So one um, weird thing that happens to me is I have a really hard time um, forming clots and that leads to well the clots I have an easy time forming clots but my clotting leads to really bad scarring so a mosquito bite or like a scratch from a tree can lead to like a really bad scar because the way my body clots and there's always a clot literally right under the surface even after the skin has grown a scab and started to heal over, there's always a clot just under the surface. It's really a bizarre thing. <laughs> I know that she has a couple of scars on her legs that I've always like, just kind of been curious about. I don't know, being interested in medicine, I always need to get that spot checked out, mom. You need to look at this, you need to do that. Um, and the other day she told me a story about one of the scars on her leg whenever she was in the shower and shaving her legs and what happened so i have had the same scar the spots on my legs for probably five years and if i accidentally nick it with a razor or if something scratches it it will i mean just an enormous clot will come out and so it looks again it looks like it's sort of healed over the top but it's just like a very super thin skin it's like a really thick squirt of viscous blood. It's just bizarre. Um, that is so wild. Yes, and my doctor currently has has these things mapped, so he checks them when I come in for you know a physical. He'll just to see if the spots have moved or gotten, gotten bigger, bigger, gotten smaller, or gone away. But they haven't gone away, so um, it's just an interesting thing. As far as treatment goes, have you been put on any medications like prophylactically to possibly prevent the development of a DVT or pulmonary embolism? Factor V Leiden is an interesting disease state because there is nothing that you can see on a day-to-day -day basis. However, I do prophylactically take a baby aspirin every day. So I'm not a baby, but I take an 81 milligram aspirin just to help with that. That's really the only thing they know of, um, you know, because I don't have more serious issues, thankfully, but that is what I currently, like that's the regimen that I'm currently on. Um, I've gone to a hematologist and to several other doctors, you know, for this um, specific condition, and they've all had really interesting 
analysis of the disease state. So I have never had a really great understanding of it, um, although I've done plenty of my own research and obviously people in my family talk about it because it's a common factor. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I haven't had a really great understanding, but Catherine has actually helped me understand it better than I have ever understood it before even though I have been to specialists and have been being treated for this for several years, she's really helped me understand it like on a patient level that I can look at it and she's pulled it up and showed me this is where the mutation occurs and it makes sense, you know, and I understand why it can lead to such big issues. Yes, I remember one of the first times we talked about this factor five, neither one of us had a clue what it was and just within the past couple of years, I've become, as I've learned about the coagulation cascade and all of these things, it's really painted the picture for me of, oh, wow, this is actually can have very serious effects and cause really serious problems if it is not taken care of properly or recognized. And you think about how that one tiny mutation in yes. your body can lead to all of this. And that's just one thing. I mean out of all the fascinating body yeah. structures. And it's just, it's so interesting to just really be able to dive into it and learn more. And, you know, at 48 years old, I am taking my health more seriously. So I'm really trying to increase my exercise and the things that I will do to mitigate this disease as, you know, as my days go on. I certainly want my parents to live as long as they can. And now, you know, being a parent myself and recently becoming a grandmother, um, it's, it's really important to me that I am as healthy as I possibly can be. So I will continue to learn what I can and, you know, hopefully this will help me live longer and be healthier. Is there anything you wish your healthcare providers knew about living with this Factor V Leiden mutation or the diagnoses of it, or the treatment of it? The one thing that's really hanging in my mind as a 48-year-old woman is how I'm going to be able to manage menopause because the factor five Leiden mutation um, dictates that you really cannot have estrogen. Um, you can't have extra estrogen. It's just very specific on what you can and cannot do. And after talking with, you know, a hematologist and my OB and my primary care doctor, no one can really give me a good answer as to how I should plan to manage that as I move into the next couple of years. And that's something I wish I could find an answer for. What is a misconception that people have about living with factor five, if that's applicable to this mutation? So I would say a misconception is that um, I have family members who have not really taken it seriously, like cousins who, you know, who have the same, and even their parents are ones who've passed away that have not been tested for the mutation. And it's really, you know, upsetting and concerning to me because, you know, just having, you know, knowledge is power. And if you know that you have something and you can do something small to prevent it, 
I don't know why you wouldn't do that. So I'm kind of on a um, journey of making sure that everyone is tested. Um, it's been interesting because the females have been more likely to get tested because of the birth control and the estrogen issues, but the males are obviously affected just as much. There's just not as many outward signs. So, and, you know, trying to get my nieces and nephews to be tested because, you know, I want to help save my family's life. Right. It's wonderful that, you know, modern medicine is able to pin it down and help us learn more about it so that we can manage the disease and hopefully manage the outcome and we won't have more, you know, another generation of people who die young. So I was just doing some preliminary research um, just on the internet about Factor V and it wasn't discovered until the 1960s. That would make sense. That makes perfect sense as to why my dad's relatives they, they didn't have the knowledge about what had happened to them. Right. That makes perfect that's, sense. Yeah, that's crazy. So with it being a relatively new discovery, I guess it makes sense that, I mean, the wide-ranging effects, so how it will affect menopause or hormon hormonal therapy, I guess it makes sense how that's why those they might don't not have be, answers. Exactly. They don't know. Wow. Absolutely. So I'm going to leave it to you, Catherine, and your, you know, the people in your classes and in your medical school class to figure this out so it can help us yep. because you might carry the gene as well. So your kids someday and definitely yes, just because I didn't test positive doesn't mean that I'm not a carrier for mm -hmm. this mutation. And, you know, your sister has it. So it's something that we're going to have to be dealing with for the rest of our lives. Yeah. So I would appreciate if you all would put some <laughs> brains behind it and figure something out to help us out. Um, are there any other aspects about this mutation or this disease state that you would like to learn more about? I really would like to learn how, um, again, to just deal with it on a daily basis and how to mitigate long-term and short-term effects you know, I know things just about like when you're traveling, do this, but I don't know as much about, hey, this, you know, this could lead to something for people who sit at their desk all day or, you know, what do I need to do? Because, you know, I've been making a point of getting up and right. walking during the day. So the things that it's those little details that now, I mean, knowing that they've just been working with this since the 60s is really not a lot of time. And I would dare say there's probably not been a lot of focus and energy and thought put behind it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so with that research earlier, um, and our textbook said that about 6% of the Caucasian population in the United States is most likely living with this mutation and they just don't know it. Wow. And, um, for venous thromboembolisms, factor five was in over half of those patients. Wow. Nationwide. That's incredible. Yeah. And just having that knowledge that you had that predisposition could really make the difference and could literally save your life. Yes. Like you hear DVT or PEs all the time yeah. whenever you're a in the hospital. A 38-year-old woman died of a PE. A 47-year-old yep. man just threw a DVT. I don't know. Yep. It's so it's I'm a big and, advocate for knowledge is power. Yes. And to know that this is a predisposition to such major health events 
is huge. All right, mom, Betsy, thank you for joining us today. And I really appreciate you taking your time to tell us more about this disease state. very welcome and I hope I have an opportunity to hear about some, what some of the other students have learned because I've learned a lot today and I hope that you all are able to learn from each other and help reach out to other people. Now I have a little bonus interview with my grandpa, my mom's dad, who also is diagnosed with Factor V Leiden. When did Uncle Steve have his bypass surgery? At least 10 years ago. Okay. And is that like what prompted all of this then? Whenever they found his carotids? I just, as... put, you on, I just put you on my phone. Yes. Oh. The first, the first time they discovered it uh, is when they found the factor, the factor 5 and said, hey, you should probably tell all everybody in your family to get tested part of the, the the background on this also is the fact that my okay so brother david got like uh brain clots cerebral right. hemorrhage uh blockage etc etc had a stroke at like age 63 or four goodness gracious and he lived for like a year and a half, but they didn't think he would come out of the hospital. Wow. Now, now that I think about it, my sister Carol, who was a, a mail carrier, yep. got blood clots in her legs and had to wear the tent hose. Yep. And I think she may or may not be on uh, Coumadin. Wow. Yep. So Steve takes Coumadin. Mm-hmm. Carol still has lots of issues, and so I have been extremely fortunate to wow. see yes. what's going on and, and stay ahead of this game yeah. and uh, not have any uh, of those issues. Somehow, part of the interview with my grandpa got lost somewhere in the cloud, but he was telling me how he initially started on Lipitor, which is a statin, after going to his physician and coming back with high cholesterol um, with levels in the 200s as well as a 50 to 69 percent blockage in one of his carotid arteries but he quit taking the Lipitor because he said that it made him feel like a quote walking zombie due to the neurological side effects so then he switched to Crestor which is also a statin so we got uh cholesterol down but he doubled up on my crestor and i noticed this spring after he this was in february after mm -hmm. my exam this spring um i was okay getting into the summer i'm like man i'm not getting shit done again i'm you know right. no energy feeling fatigued uh, yeah. yeah so uh the doctor said okay we're gonna stop stop that for a couple weeks see how you do right. well i stopped it for like two months and then i talked to your good friend and house host jared oh yes yes and told him what i was doing and what my numbers were he mm -hmm. said, if 
10 milligrams took you down to 102 and then they put you on 20 milligrams no yeah said, that's... you should be able to take five milligrams and get by wow amazing so, which means less side effects so less side effects so for the last three months four months i've been taking five milligrams and i did not know that uncle steve's that one of his carotid has an active blood clot in it and that each time he goes that they cannot operate on that side that they can only strip one side yep yeah wow. well, they had stripped both sides but when you go to 100 percent, you can't operate right. anymore Gosh. if you're 90 percent, they can still they can still work, squeeze work something out. by there yeah but when you hit 100 you're done gosh that's so, so scary and my my level was between 50 and 69 percent on my right side the blockage mm -hmm. and uh i uh went on crestar and that cleared cleared some of it it took it below 50 for a while but then this right. past year it jumped back up between 50 and 69 percent that's when he put me back on uh doubled up the crestar right. to 20 wow. but that's when the crazy shit yeah. started happening with my yeah. body and my brain. It's one thing knowing that you have it. It's another thing doing something about it and knowing that you can do something about it, you know? If a problem, you can't do anything about it. But when you do, you better jump on it. getting to interview my mom and grandpa about having the factor 5 Leiden mutation and how it runs in our family and the implications that it has. It really ties back to our course learning about the coagulation cascade with Dr. Skinner because factor 5 along with factor 10 are the necessary factors to convert prothrombin to thrombin within the coagulation cascade. So I really look forward to listening to the rest of the podcast and I hope you guys enjoy.